This week, we are joined by Lyndon Barrington Allen to intonate in his beautiful baritone about how the Republican Party may be on the way to being hoisted by its own petard after moving in haste to expel a couple of Democrat representatives for violating House rules. Meanwhile, some of these same Republicans seem unwilling to hold their own to the same degree of accountability. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Yeah, Gary, you know this song? I do. Too late to apologize. Right? Who's Too the late. artist? Who's the artist? Ooh. Hey, there we go. All right. Uh, go again. Man, I forgot. Who is this? Tim well, it's actually two artists. Man, I'm bad at naming the artists. Yeah. You said one of them. Timbers and Timberland. Yeah, Tim- Timberland. Timberland. No, Timberland. Timberland. Yeah. And then who's the who's the co-writer? Who's the artist that's singing? I don't know. Ryan Tedder, One Republic. Oh, uh, okay. <clears throat> but you know why I chose this? Why? You know what? You no, I know exactly why you chose this. Because you were late, Gary. <laughs> oh, no. No, it's for them. That's for Sexton, man. That's his theme song. But Jones should walk in with this. I was late, though. Gary was late, and we were waiting and for him. So. Pearson's going to walk I'm in sorry. too late to apologize. So you hear a uh, third <laughs> voice in the studio. It's my old friend. He's he's such an old friend that I used to know him as Lyndon Allen, but he now goes by his middle name, Barrington. Tis true. Tis and true. Um, I'll let him tell you the reason why in a minute. Which <clears> is how <throat> I know him, because he's my new friend. There we go. So we've got kind of the bookends <laughs> yes. of when we met. You can tell when a person met you. By what they call you. It's so true. Like it's when I true. was growing up, they called me Heavy Kevy. And I that can't was because... Oh, that's why you stay so fit now. Because <laughs> ah, this dude's red. No, so I it, I was about were you, two. Were you, and, were you a chubby youngin? Apparently when I was two. Oh. Not when I was five or when I remember. Could never even imagine. I was kind of chubby in my elementary years, but I kind of stayed that way. So it's all good. <laughs> but you wear it well, man. You wear it well. So, Yes. Anyway, uh, Barrington, Lyndon Barrington Allen, I'll let you introduce yourself so I don't forget anything because I didn't, I should have brought a little uh, cue sheet to introduce you properly, but I'll tell the audience that I've known you since uh, we met during the cruise campaign. Mm-hmm. And so you were on our pastors committee, Yep, pastors for cruise. Uh, so I've known you at least since 2015 and um, Nearly a we've decade. been... We've been in the fight together, mm-hmm. and uh, Lyndon, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are before we talk about why you're here today, and Gary will then launch into that. So here we are, you know, trying harmonizing on the opening song here. <laughs> so I came here doing the music business back in the mid-90s uh, with a Christian reggae group. My background is uh, Afro-Caribbean, so my dad's Jamaican. Come from Jamaica, man. Anytime you're ready to go to Jamaica, you must give me a proper call. Anyway, wow! And see, I forgot all about that, right? Christ Afari. That's right. I was a bass player for Christ Afari for two albums with Goatee Records, which is headed up by Toby Mac. Mm -hmm. And man, I remember that band. I did not know this about you, Barry. Yeah. And now it's coming back that the first time you and I connected on the cruise campaign, we went back with our whole music industry connections. Yes. Because I knew about all that. Obviously, been in town for thirty-one years doing the music business. Okay, so now continue. Went on to uh, once I got uh, on the road. we needed to make money. So <laughs> I had another child coming. I said, all right, guys, uh, I got to go. I got to go back to business. So I went to uh, sold phones at Cellular One, became a pharmaceutical rep for the now defunct Shearing Plow, who got absorbed by Merck and did that for quite a while. And uh, then in the mid, oh, in the er- mid 2000s, early 2000s, I uh, got into pastoring because ministry was always in my heart. And I've been doing that ever since, and then wound up by working with John Hagee at Christians United for Israel. I was the central regional coordinator for them, handling states from Texas all the way up to North Dakota, 20 state, pretty much the central time zone. And I would talk about the U.S.-Israel relationship and the importance of keeping it strong. I was there when Trump or uh, Pence, Vice President Pence, announced that we would be moving the embassy and recognizing Jerusalem 
as the capital of Israel, uh, the Trump administration, and we are very much a part of that because uh, Donald Trump was asking, hey, uh, someone lay the case for me why we need to do this. And Pastor Hagee and he had serious <clears throat> conversations about it. And next thing you know, they announced they're going to do it in 2019, but wound up doing it in 2018. And we were just like, who are you people? <laughs> Getting things done ahead of schedule and under budget. No kidding. Wow. And it worked. And all the naysayers, all of their prognostications did not come true. And we were thankful for that. So I was really, really happy to be a part of that movement within within our country. And, uh, and so becoming a pastor, is that where you finally made all your money? <laughs> no. but Why am I laughing? Why am I laughing? <laughs> that was a good uh, one, Gary. Oh. Yeah, it was. It was. I was spoken looking, I spoken my, by a former... I make my money other I'm ways in, now. I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> you know something ways. about that, yeah. don't you, Gary? Yeah, yeah, there's, the yeah there's, a, there's a pay. There's a drop in pay, but the Lord made up for it. I mean, I'm, so uh, now I, what I do is I do... The same thing pretty much under my own auspices now is Total Life Victory, which is an organization dedicated to teaching and, and helping people understand the Hebraic roots of our faith and also understanding that the person returning is a king, the king of kings, mm. and helping people orient to the fact that we're in a kingdom and that the gospel, the good news, is about his kingdom first and then how we get in, which is by the blood of the king, Love which that. is King Amen. Jesus. So that's what I do and write, wrote a book called The Fallacy of Race, Understanding Ethnicity and the Language that Divides Us. I'm really just calling the body of Christ. We just got to stop sounding like the world describing humanity because God does not describe humanity in racial terms, mm -hmm. never has, never will. And I beat a, <clears throat> built a treatise on that and wrote a book on it and Running, ran into Kevin about during the, the start of the, the cruise campaign. Yeah, 2015. Headed up the pastoral arm of that, going around to all the counties and trying to get pastors to stand with crews. And uh, got close to his dad as a result. When yep. I was pastoring, Raphael spoke at my church. And I took him to Israel uh, through Kufi. So stayed pretty much in close contact with the Cruz family, loved them, considering his second, his best man at his wedding was a Jamaican, too. I said, you know what? Let's keep really? this thing going. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, yeah, his law, his uh, law school buddy. I don't ever don't remember his name. I haven't met him, but I huh. know the story. So I, I've never come so close to thinking that I was actually going to die that day than when I took a small van filled with eight people I know this story. Up, <laughs> up the mountain to tour Appleton Estates in Jamaica. Some and good rum, man. It was fantastic when you got up there. The ride up and down was uh, very it's, scary. It's perilous at times. <laughs> very scary. It's perilous. Yes. Clearly <clears throat> they know what they're doing. They do this all day and they're just whipping around those curves like it's no big deal. But like I'm like, there's an edge. <laughs> there is an edge. And, and they know what they're doing. They know what they're and doing. no guardrail, right? No guardrail. No, little, no. little kids running in the street kicking soccer ball. I'm like, oh my God, everybody's gonna die. <laughs> You're not in America, man. You're not in America. No regulations here. <laughs> Holy but it was great getting to meet you, Kevin, during those years and really watching you in action and, and learning about your heart and, and seeing how you do things. And our guy didn't win, but it really helped me understand why it needed to be yeah. Trump. I deeply appreciate what Ted's doing now. His Did you guys look at his thing, his uh, interaction with Mayorkas and how he just nailed the Homeland Security guy. I, I did not. It was, <clears throat> he's fabulous. He is the de facto leader of the Senate. But yeah, which I actually think is where his gifting is, right? Yeah, it really Former, is. Former, I mean, still a lawyer. Once mm. a lawyer, always a lawyer. But <clears throat> um, when he interrogates someone, and I go back to his interrogation of, uh, what's his name? Attorney General under Obama. Um, oh, Eric Holder. Eric, Eric Holder. Holder. When he was interrogating Eric Holder, during the IRS scandal that I was involved in, that was the greatest support, kind of the wind beneath our wings that he could he could give us. And I felt it was much more valuable than even his presidential run. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that he's in the Senate. Yeah. I think that's where he belongs. Yeah, he knows his lane now, and, and it works well. And, of course, he and Trump became really good friends and colleagues in terms of working together. But I really appreciated those years, getting to know you, your family, and uh, seeing all of that Flower open now, Grandpa. <clears throat> and you're going to be grandfather, too, yes. so welcome to the club in a month, coming, right? Coming, coming. So my son, we hope he'll make the right decision. 
walk and graduate from law school or attend his child's birth. I, I, I think he'll... I think you'll make the right choice. Wait, it's going to happen at the exact same time? Same time. May 1st, or first week of May. Wow, okay. So he's graduating from Belmont Law School, and uh, we're happy. So my wife and I can say, our son, the lawyer. No. Our son, the lawyer. I don't know if it's a good thing. No, it's... <laughs> Wait a minute, it's, it's coming it's, from an attorney. Now he's got to take... Yeah. <laughs> now he's got to take the Did, bar exam, which is... Yeah, he's going to lock down for now that. Now that he's done with the law school, he <clears throat> needs to go learn the Constitution now. He's <laughs> getting it. Trust me. You know, we had an excellent conversation... Over the debacle of uh, our sad party here. I mean, I am a Republican. I'm gonna, I want your listeners to know who's. I love this country. Mm-hmm. My father came to this country with nothing from Jamaica. Absolutely nothing. Worked his way up law, uh, Wall Street. Earned his citizenship. I am not an anchor baby, people. Stop. I feel you <laughs> looking at me. I am not an anchor baby. My dad and mom both... I'm first-generation American in my family. So when he comes to this country, uh, he was excited that the individual who was the president was John F. Kennedy. How This is in 62. But before he left Jamaica in in December of 62, the previous few months prior was August, August of 62, the Union Jack came down. And the Jamaican flag went up. So they're going to be a part of the Commonwealth, but still a separate state, but still a member of the Commonwealth. And the only U.S. representative to come to that event was Lyndon Baines Johnson with his wife. So that's Lady where the name there comes from. There we go. Wow. So Lyndon Baines Johnson shows up in Jamaica not wanting to be there. I have all the footage. I could see him just, why are we here? This is Jamaica. Oh my hmm. God. But still, he, he was there. My dad was impressed with that. Then I'm born a couple of years later, 64. Johnson was only in office but a few months. My dad's name is Lloyd Barrington Allen. He's ah, oh, I'm going to have him have my initials, but I'm going to name him after that guy. Hmm. Lyndon hmm. Barrington Allen. Very cool. And then yours truly gets saved at a Billy Graham crusade in 1985. Okay. What city? This is Anaheim, California. Okay. That's right. Um, Chuck Smith from the mm-hmm. Jesus Revolution, he helped organize that event. And we wound up going to his, my wife and I then, we wound up going to Chuck Smith's church. Yep. So that was pretty neat seeing that movie. And we're familiar with all those characters. So I get saved and I start reading the Bible. And I go, wait a minute. This Democrat party, I can't. I can't. No. I don't see what they believe in in these pages. And then I started researching the policies of Lyndon Baines Johnson. And I went, oh, my. This guy was a wretch. He was not a good guy when it came to the communities that are that are now decimated because mm-hmm. of the policies he enacted. And then I started writing. And I said, you know what? Uh, maybe it's time. My my dad goes, I didn't know that then. <laughs> said, it's all right, Dad. It's okay. Yep. I love you. Thank you for naming me Lyndon Barrington Allen. So, yeah, that's why I go by Barrington. But my wife still calls me Lyndon, so that's fine, brother man. So if you if you do it, if it's Lyndon over here in I, front and uh, to my right, Barrington, I'm good. So I, I don't feel so bad then. <clears throat> as long as your wife oh, yeah. calls you that, then I, I'm obviously far secondary to that. So However, I'm okay. Call on me my Lyndon. podcast, she introduces me as, and now, Barrington Allen. So I got you, honey. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just don't refer it. to me as heavy kevy. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's get into the fun stuff. Um, not that that wasn't fun. That was fantastic. Yeah, Gary, I, what do you that, what do you say? I learned. You say I, know. I learned so a Lyndon's lot. Intro was I like, learned, no, I, I learned okay. a lot today. I was I was low. It's jam packed. I feel like, gosh, I I thought I knew Barrington. Now I, now I do a lot more. Absolutely, the Christ Safari connection. That's cool. I remember that. And I've really been, been did that. Wrote the theme song for the group. And very cool. We had fun with so, that. So a few days ago, I don't know, was it two, three days ago, whatever it was, you called me mm. because of all the shenanigans going on with the expulsions and, and all of the things we're dealing with in the house. And um, I think everyone it was trying to figure out how they felt about it uh, and whether or not you know there was going to be some backlash or just a variety of things. And you called me because seemingly 
so many Republicans, I feel like at least in Tennessee, could not see the forest through the trees on this deal, on how things were panning out, and what I feel to be a very rash decision. Mm. And, and now being on the other side of a few things that we can talk about today, I think some of those prophecies came true. They did. <laughs> they most and, certainly did. And <clears throat> and they will continue to as well. And um, yeah, it's not over. No, it's far from far over. from over. Yeah. And and so of course you know we're we're talking about here in Tennessee. Just last week we had these two. Uh, well, there were, there were three Democrats that broke the the rules, the House decorum rules. Uh, by the way, procedural rules, not laws, mm-hmm. rules. Mm-hmm. And um, after some resolutions being drafted, two of them were expelled. Just in case yeah. our audience doesn't know why they were expelled, because you made this clear in your um, email this week that you are in no... In in no way are you defending the actions, their behavior. Yes, <laughs> because not. because their behavior was what they they pers- they participated uh, in inciting this crowd and entering committee rooms, right, and disrupting legitimate business of the house, right? Absolutely, yeah. and and you know ended up being up there with a bullhorn um, in the well in the well mm-hmm. um, without being. Um, given the honor of being in the well or being given permission by the speaker who controls those proceedings. And uh, the speaker immediately went into recess, which I think was uh, problem number one. Anyway, we, we can get to that or not. No, what the actions look, here's my thing on all of this. The actions of these legislators were despicable. They dishonored the house. They dishonored every other member of the house. They dishonored. And I think it's important to note, they dishonored every the the seventy to seventy eight thousand people that each of those representatives represent. We're yes. talking about millions of people. <clears throat> yep. Mm-hmm. So and and I think you know some of the the Republicans in their speeches during the hearings on the resolutions made that comment, which I thought was very poignant. That your voice is not more important than the other six million nine hundred and. 30,000 voices that we all represent, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so that was a great point to make. So we all agree their actions were were despicable. And, of course, I think most Republicans would agree that the things that these three believe are despicable. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. godless, mm-hmm. even though they invoke the cross right. and the crucifixion. Right. Which is irritating, which was rather Blasphemy. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Absolute yeah. blasphemy. Especially Pearson actually saying that Jesus defended the LGBT, the LGBT community. community. I went, what Bible verse are you reading yep. when Christ actually makes a statement of equivalence between his relationship with the church and marriage between a man and a woman? Mm-hmm. Yep. My, Amen. My problem, though, with the expulsion in, in the midst of all of that is we continue to see this. And I, I got a few emails from, from folks that were seeing this as well. It's important to understand that we are led by a supermajority Republican legislature, most of which are, I feel, are, are which what we would call establishment, are very moderate uh, vein of the party, mm. who oftentimes employs these same tactics, not expulsion, but these same types of, of silencing tactics against conservatives, where, you know, you run a conservative piece of legislation and you're in a committee that's you know, nine Republicans and two Democrats, and you can't even get a motion for your bill to be heard. And you're a Republican. Yeah. Mm. You know, so so that happens on a on a consistent basis throughout the legislature. So what what I saw that I don't think many get to see maybe or understand is what I see happening oftentimes to Democrats in this supermajority legislature is the same thing that happens to conservatives uh, to a certain degree yes and when you yeah. and when you think about it that way when i now see these democrats being expelled from the house elected representatives being expelled from the house for breaking rules not breaking laws breaking rules by the way the first time in tennessee history that anyone has ever been expelled from the legislature for breaking a procedural rule mm. first time mm. in our state's history in the three that have happened previously they were all laws. Laws. That's right. So whether, whether it be a federal indictment or, you know, whatever. So first time ever. 
And when, when I saw that go down, my first thought was, well, how long is it going to be now that that precedent has set before that happens to a conservative? Of course. Because a conservative got belligerent <clears throat> to stand their ground and broke the rules. Or even without being belligerent, right? Yeah. You, you can think of now that you've opened the door for being expelled for violating a rule. Rule. It could be any rule. It could be a rule that someone inadvertently violates and they go looking for. Well, a technicality, right? Much like the Pharisees. Yeah. So they started a little campfire, and we came out with a blowtorch and started a forest fire. Yeah, no question. So you, when you called, a comment you made that stuck with me, you say, Gary, it's like, you know, the left is playing chess, and the Republicans are sitting around playing, playing checkers. checkers. That was a checker move. Yeah. It's And the reason why I felt that way is, A, yes. I'm going to I'm going to be on record saying reprimand 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 their behavior was egregious. Yeah, take them they, off committees, all the things. They violated the decorum of the institution. It was not the play of Martin Luther King Jr. It was not. Right. Mar you don't do what they did and wind up on the Capitol mm -hmm. Mall with a statue. You don't. Yep. It will not happen. The reason why Martin Luther King's statue is there is because he respected the nation that he was trying to change. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He upheld the Constitution and said, hey, guys, we are not following our own Constitution. He was very inclusive. I still want to belong here. But their attitude is akin to, I don't, we don't like this country. They, they come across as, we don't like this country. So reprimand, 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 for sure. But when we pull out a blowtorch to get rid of them, now we look heavy-handed. We look like we're not counseling with within the party mm -hmm. because someone would have said, don't expel them because if you expel them, you will turn the greatest beacon of light on us that will blind us all with the international attention if you do this. And, and they did it, and what happened? And And as part of that chess that they were playing versus the checkers of the Republicans, to continue on with that metaphor, did it was there no one in the Republican legislature that thought, wait, maybe they've got a plan. Maybe they want us to do this, mm -hmm. right? That never entered their mind. It was too easy. Yep. And they and they did. They clearly had this orchestrated. Well, well, Brian Ritchie revealed that in conversations with Justin Jones, that was his plan all along. He he knew that he was going to get expelled. He wanted to make sure he got That's expelled. That's why he went to the degree he, he did. He yeah. wanted the attention. I I I don't want to gloss over the fact. Let's not pass this up because again, Barrington, when you and I were talking, like, of course, we see now the national story and how everything is played out, mm -hmm. and we're all crying racism now. Mm -hmm. And it, the 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 brilliance again, chess and checkers. The the absolute brilliance of not only moving to expel these Democrats, mm. but then expelling the two young black men <laughs> and not the white woman. Yeah, you see, so uh, we gave them a dream scenario. Of course, yes, on a silver platter, a dream scenario. And if we would just move in the direction of tempered action, now look, I don't want to be guilty of torching our Speaker of the House. You hold a position. Kevin holds, and I will do that for you. Yeah, you, do. <laughs> you, you go ahead and say what you got to say. Because I, I still work on the Hill. I do. You know, we got some legislation passed that was pro -risen. You know, in the state of Tennessee, because of the efforts of myself and some others on our team, we got the strongest anti-BDS legislation, pro-Israel legislation in the country. It just sailed right through. Why? Because we're so strong. We have the supermajority. We all, we all love, love Israel. But when something of this ilk hits the floor of the House and ostensibly by extension, even in the Senate, because now we're looking at the entire legislature, even though all of this happened in the House, when something of this magnitude hits, we have to slow the roll, tap the brakes, because when I look at two young African-American guys who wind up expelled and one of them was responsible for getting the bust of nathan bedford Forrest removed mm -hmm. from the capitol i'm like were you guys not thinking 
Yep. This he got rid of the man who headed up the clan in Pulaski. So Tennessee is the is the state now that gets retribution, even though that's not the case. It might not even be the agenda item thing. We're going to get rid of him because he got rid of the bust of Nathan Bedford Forrest. But the narrative is going to be spun. I got an article here from the from the New York. The New Yorker, New Yorker magazine, and that's exactly what they said. They put it in there. They connected those. They two made. Things, they yeah. connected yep. the dots. And Joe's Jones headed up the the protester to get the bust of Nathan Bedford Forrest removed from the Capitol. And he, by the way, was also the one who was removed from the Senate. And I'm like, oh, there, it, there it is. So Tennessee now, sadly, and I wanted. I'd love to get into a discussion about okay, the way forward. Tennessee, sadly, is now the banner over us. Projected by the left is Tennessee, gun-toting bigots, that's their politics, Mm -hmm. and they must be stopped. All hail to Tennessee now, too. Because we got rid of Gloria. Gloria Johnson got to stay, so they're now reducing all the Tennessee, too, because they are getting all, all of the publicity. And you notice, by the way, she, Gloria, is not doing anything to quell that part of the story. No. She even said immediately, she said, oh, I think it's probably, be, you know, maybe it's because of my race that I was. The so color she, of my skin is what she said. Yeah, yes. she's, she, so she went along and played along with that narrative right away. So, so here, here's how, in my <clears throat> opinion, gentlemen, how we really need to elevate the conversation because the other side constantly talks about mm-hmm. this issue through a racial lens. And if the church, and most of us are Republican, particularly here in Tennessee, I'm only speaking about our little jurisdiction here on the planet. We can't be commandeered by that language. We've got to elevate the conversation and really focus on the issue of it was wrong to do it in that manner. Because if you compare it to, because they're making the link between John Lewis and what he did here in Nashville with the sit-ins. And that was a worthy cause because that policy was unjust. It was... It was inhumane, and things were turned on them uh, in, in that regard. People grabbed them, and, and actions were taken yeah. against them that were inappropriate. So now they want to invoke John Lewis by speaking in the well and holding a bullhorn and speaking— Bull Connor. Anyway, <laughs> holding, a, <laughs> holding a bullhorn and speaking yeah. to their crowd, and then the reaction— Actually, winds up what they what, what our party sadly did was turn on a political fire hose and release political dogs right. against a guy that was just breaking a rule, yeah, and not the high honor of really confronting an inhumane policy at a lunch counter. They're not the same, but they're making it the same. But our reaction <clears throat> because of that should not have been the same. When what adds more gravity to their decision is something we touched upon last week, Gary, and that is, meanwhile, the weeks prior, they refused to expel the lieutenant governor for his admitted, right, what, what Piccadillys, what do we call them, right? When he, when he is encouraging, giving, what is it again, fire emojis and smiley faces. Yeah, rain- rainbows and sunshine. Yeah, rainbows and sunshine. With, with, a, with a young boy who admitted that when these interactions had started, he was 17. He was underage. So now we're talking about a potential crime, right? If the, if, if the dots are connected, I'm not saying we know that yet. We, we have one mm-hmm. witnesses um, who was involved, testimony. So it's all alleged at, yeah. at present. But if that is the case, clearly... That's a more fundamental reason that one should be expelled from governing than what happened here. And so that even makes it worse, doesn't it? Because Mm -hmm. we have violating rules, rushing to judgment and expelling them and doing nothing about one of their own. And it also increases the likelihood that it's going to be viewed through the lens of race because Mm -hmm. the lieutenant Mm -hmm. governor is white. white. And not only expulsion, but... He's the lieutenant governor. He's in leadership. He can mm-hmm. step down from that leadership role and still remain in the Senate. And that even was even never on happen. the table. Oh, so my. it's that my that is my problem with all of this, to be honest, is that the same accountability that was quote unquote accountability that was thrust upon the Democrats by the supermajority 
is not the same accountability that they are willing to thrust upon themselves. Mm -hmm. And that has always been forever and a day my problem with Tennessee politics. And so where we sit now Mm. is – all of these Republicans across the state, um, congratulate the GOP, baby. What? We're fighting, right? Weren't they raising money? <clears throat> I just saw it. The, the same day, day. I, the day they got expelled, Tennessee GOP sends out an e-blast and says, hey, we expelled the Democrats. Join us for 2024. Actions have consequences. Kind of, yeah. yeah, that's it. I'm like, so... Exactly. You just proved the point of what all of this is. And let's let's tell our audience, not only do the actions, the actions do have consequences, mm-hmm. perhaps not the ones they intended, <laughs> intended. <laughs> but now let's talk about what's happening. Let's first talk about the big picture before the inter- intervening steps. These members who have been expelled <clears throat> will be running again, right? There's going to be a special, special election, election. <clears throat> that the governor has to establish within 30 days. He has to pick the date, right? For- so they are not only <clears throat> the interim replacement of themselves. Well, that's what I was going to get to next. <clears throat> so, but I want I want to I want to talk about was out further, right? <clears throat> okay. There's going to be a special election for each of them, and they will run, they, and they will win, and they hand- will win handily. Yeah, they'll they'll have more. They'll have national support. You've got the entire nation now looking at this issue, but in the interim. What did we learn? So last night, the Nashville City Council, was it last night? Yeah. 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 The Nashville City Council went ahead and approved him because I guess that's that's the process. No, the council did it prior. And then they took the minutes to the house, and they had to receive him. Okay, <clears throat> yeah. So he is now serving the one who was expelled from Nashville. I forget which one that is. That Pierce Jones. That's Jones. 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 Okay. Justin Jones. <laughs> he was expelled, and while he waits to run again in the special election, excuse me, he is his own interim. <laughs> That's right. He's already reappointed. <laughs> so he's back in there by, by unanimous vote at the uh, council. Unanimous. And it's going to happen in Memphis too tomorrow. Right? Tomorrow, Wednesday, yes. they the the county commission in, in Shelby County is going to reappoint mm. him as interim. So they have gone this ahead so and made these guys to their own belief group. They've made them heroes. Yes, heroes, and it's <laughs> now with the interim. The House can still vote not to seat an interim, but they won't. No, they, they've already made that statement. They've, you can't touch them. Can't touch this. Not now. And, you know, with a with a tenfold increase now in ability to fundraise, um, word on the street is from some friends in the legislature, there's already talk of Justin Jones now using this newfound <clears throat> Fame and fundraising ability to run for mayor of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Wow. Can you imagine this guy yeah. as mayor of Nashville? Wow! Extrapolate and, that in your mind yep. for a moment. And I heard him cry for the resignation of Sexton. Yeah. Well, so, and and I think I want to get to that a little bit here in a minute. Yeah. But but to kind of finish this up a little bit. So you've got the clamoring across the state. We did something. We're cheering on the Republicans. Meanwhile, we all knew this was going on behind the scenes. The 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 fighting Republicans, the Republicans fighting against the left. That this is what they're doing. They're trying to build a platform, trying to trying to build the guise of, you know, we're we're fighting. But in truth, behind the scenes, they're currently drafting red flag law legislation. And so today, as we're coming in to record this podcast, the governor's all over the Tennessean now. The governor issues an executive order, start beginning to set the tables to remove, in his words, guns from, quote unquote, dangerous people. Okay, and calling on the legislature to uh, pass what we all know will be a red flag law and it will pass because what we do know is in this Republican led state currently. Everything passes by gubernatorial decree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It shall be done. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Mm. So so I just want everybody to know right now that the same party that you were championing, championing for fighting and expelling these two members, which created absolute chaos and created two Internationally. much more powerful yeah. individuals, mm. were also working behind the scenes to draft legislation to take away your Second Amendment rights yeah, here in, in Tennessee. So to do the very thing that this fomented, um, you know, quote unquote insurrection, this incitement 
was intended to do, right? It was all to bring focus on the guns, not the morals of the character using the guns. Right. And I love we're that point. Capitulate it. That's the point. This is the conversation my, my, my children and I had, my sons and I had, that after 9 11, no one, nary an individual, said, we need common sense plane laws. No Amen. more planes in the wrong, <clears throat> no more planes yep. flying. We need better planes. We need different planes. The conversation had nothing to do with the plane, mm -hmm. but everything to do with the individual on it. So what do we do? What was our response to 9-11? TSA. Right. We're going to secure the airport because we're not going to let nefarious individuals come in here. We're going to search you down because we're not doing this again. So the answer has always been in front of us for the last 20 plus years. And how you deal with nefarious individuals. Right. You stop them, not their guns. So let me add another, <clears throat> let me extend the metaphor. We do the same thing with drunk driving, right? Right. We don't say get rid of the cars. We don't say we're going to ban cars of certain speeds, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of a, of a of a equivalent or a parallel to you know magazines and <clears throat> semi-automatic, automatic. No sports cars. <clears throat> yeah. No sports. No Everybody sports gets car. a tractor. But what is it? It's 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 not moms against cars or fast cars. It's moms against drunk, drunk drivers, driving. right? That's what Mad was. So clearly, they have the ability to distinguish the individual in those scenarios. So. Our Republican leadership ought to be smart enough to know that that was the plan all along. They shouldn't be capitulating to the narrative of the left. And that's so important because he who controls the terms controls the narrative. While I was watching footage on Justin Jones's victory, and I say that in air quotes. It's exactly what it is, to be quite honest. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. It's a political yeah. victory for yep. him, without question. I saw signs that said, for for articulation's sake, this is why they were, or alliteration's sake, I mean, mm -hmm. which is why they were doing gays against guns, gays against guns. And <laughs> a buddy of mine and I were talking, and you never hear of a, a group of Smith & Wesson, Sig Sauer, and... And a Luger left the cabinet that they were all encased in, mm -hmm. ran to a school, and opened fire on people. You never hear that. It's a piece of metal. Yep. Newton's law says an object that is not in motion will remain in rest until disrupted by another object. So some nefarious <laughs> knucklehead has to move to pick up a gun and right. take it. So the issue is, to your point... It's not the gun. It's the guy behind the gun. What if we set up the same type of security at the White House at a school? You can't ram your car here because a barrier is going to jump up. We're going to have a guy at the someone, a guard at the door or at the at the entrance of the parking lot. She was just drive. She was driving in the parking lot, Lucy Goosey, and took the softest target, right? Apparently, although yeah. we've not if, read the whole manifesto, mm -hmm. apparently she was going to Opryland, but the security was too tight, so she well, picked the softer the, the, target. The manifesto, and, apparently, that we can't see yet, God forbid, for whatever nefarious reason now it seems to be, well, that, that we can't, or whatever heavily redacted version we might eventually get to see. And, and maybe that's because, just like the shooter in Louisville yesterday, right. what did we learn about that? He was anti-Trump, he was a leftist, and so that's why they began scrubbing all of his Facebook and social media accounts yeah. immediately. It raises oh. my suspicion, is that what we're going to find if we could read an unredacted version of this manifesto? Does it have hatred toward Trump? Does it have hatred toward Christians? She I can't think Christians. of any logical reason now, two weeks later, why they wouldn't have released that. The, yep. thing, of it, the thing of it is, is that... Uh, had we had a guard booth just set up right there, she wouldn't have been on the premises. And she, and she also mentioned that uh, she had another school in mind and, and didn't want didn't want to go to there because of security. Yep. So security, let's encourage that, my fellow Republicans. Let's encourage the security and leave alone what our brilliant our brilliant founding fathers put in place. People tell me, well, you guys, you don't need an AR for hunting. Well, I don't use an AR for hunting. <laughs> AR is not for hunting. Let me tell you why an AR exists, why the Second Amendment is there. It's there to protect us, not from a bull moose, but from a tyrannical government, yep. including my own. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's a reason why every wicked intended nation on the planet 
thinks twice about coming to the United States of America to yep. start a fight. Yep. Yep. There's a reason why. Yep. Yeah, we have more guns than people. Mm -hmm. And they know that. What was Hitler's move when he got in? In 33. Get rid of the guns. Get rid of the guns. Listen, people. We My, my biggest thing is getting rid of gun-free zones. That's what we have to do. You know, that's, that's what these schools should be. And funny enough, I was looking up this bill. It's SB 1325. And... Um, it's it's been tabled. It's not even being heard right now. It's it is it is a bill currently sitting in our legislature that they were working on that would put a process in place by which a school administrator or a teacher, an educator that has an enhanced carry permit, can uh, you know. And there's a process they would have to register with the sheriff's department. They would there would be an additional class they would have to take, but they would be allowed to carry on premise you know a a licensed individual that this whole idea that an individual past the age of majority that has a constitutional right to carry that has a permit to carry but is not then permitted to carry in certain, certain locations, locations has yes. always been asinine to me you, you make you immediately create a soft target mm -hmm. immediately every terrorist looks for soft targets. Yeah. There's no question in my mind you you remove that from the public schools and these number of these school shootings drop dramatically if not to zero. Back real quick to the application of rules because um uh I I I want it. I don't mind digging on speaker Sexton just a little mm -hmm. bit. Um and you know we we looked at this actually I put a video out a few weeks ago on Senator Richard Briggs same thing. Interesting, in, in Senator Briggs' case, he had not lived in the Senate district he represented for eight years for his first two terms until finally, during redistricting, they actually and – and it's funny. <laughs> they when redistricted. When you, when you look what? at the – they drew his house in. Into you, the new district. It's that it's, finite, it's like that, just around his they house? They drew his neighborhood in. <clears throat> oh, my oh goodness. My, so, what? Yeah, absolutely. So so Senator Richard Briggs now, in his third term, is the first Finally term living in his where district. his house is in his district. Please okay? don't tell me this is... I All right. did not know that. Okay, no. Well, this oh, no. Is, oh, so you're going to love this. Oh, no. Cameron Sexton does not live in Crossville, Tennessee. But that's the word he after his lives, name. He lives in Nashville in Bo Mitchell's district, which is a heavily Democratic district, which no Republican could ever hope to win. That is where Cameron Sexton lives. And his son goes to private school. In Nashville. In Nashville. So there's wow. a there's a this is all Phil Phil Williams has put this oh, out. No. There was a local um I don't know I actually I don't know if it's local, I'm assuming Tennessee based, a Substack uh mm -hmm. journalist put together this incredible article. He went and not only hunted down real property records and saw where Cameron Sexton sold his four thousand square foot home in Crossville and bought a two-bedroom condo in a retirement community to keep an address, went out and visited those neighbors. Guess what the neighbors said? Yeah, he's never here. He doesn't live here. He comes here on the weekend every now and then, but even during the summer, outside of legislative session, he's gone. So then they start digging into, they find out where his kid goes to private school. They go to the Facebook page, right, of the school. Wouldn't you know, all, throughout the weeks, throughout the months, you see the Sexton family in the pictures at the school. They live in Nashville. Oh, my goodness. Let, let me give you one more interesting piece of information because you might say, well, you know, he's got an address here and he's oh, got no. properties here. When you go – and I did – I know this because I looked this up whenever I was doing the research on Senator Briggs. When The Constitution, okay, the Constitution of this state in Article 2 – Section 5, subsection A, requires a representative to live in the district. You have you represent the district in which you reside. Well, our Tennessee law, Tennessee Code Annotated, further defines what those residency requirements are. How do you define residency? Well, one of the definitions of residency, and there's you know a few mm -hmm. criteria, is 
Your residence is where your spouse and your family lives the majority of their lives. Well, guess what? That's in Nashville for the Sexton family. He lives in Nashville. I had a representative call me about this. But here's here's what when, about Sexton? Yeah, well, and here's here's what the, here's what you'll you'll hear when they talk about this. Here's what you'll hear. Oh no, well we know that, but we talk. You know, he's talked to some attorneys, and you know, it, it's not it's not necessarily following the Constitution. But you know, you can consider his <laughs> you can consider his house a residence if you think about it this way, and if you so so, so they've admitted all that. Yeah. So you mean to tell me his house is in Jones's district? Is in no Bo Mitchell. Oh, Bo Mitchell's. Okay, so my, that would have been, been really. Oh my! God. My my point <laughs> is my point is it's okay to skirt the Constitution whenever it suits your ability your, your to live outside of your district and and hold an elected office. But so well, you can bend. Let me make this point. You can bend the Constitution. Right. The law, but but God forbid that you bend the House procedural rules of the 113th General Jump Assembly. Jump in the well without recognition. Oh no, we, you you must be expelled for that sin. Oh my goodness! So that raises an interesting question to me: Who would have standing to challenge him not living in a district? Is it just a voter who would have voted for him in the imagine. district? Sure. <clears throat> and what is the because they don't, they actually don't have legitimate representation according to the Constitution. Yes. Oh my goodness! I, I would be interested to know what the. How would you chase that down? Yeah. What's the process, and then what's the solution? Right. Is it he doesn't it, voting for him doesn't count? Right. So therefore, the you have to re-vote. You have an entire new election. Yes. So where it gets complicated, I be, I believe the solution would be in Title Eight. We have a uh, an ouster clause, uh, an ouster lawsuit, which includes misconduct in office and all sorts mm-hmm. of things. So, you know, you would have to categorize this as, I guess, misconduct in office, misrepresenting yourself, you sure. know. And uh, that would ironic. Right? See, with representative jo- misrepresenting, <laughs> misrepresenting. <laughs> yeah. But see, and, now Jones has floated his resignation. He has floated that on press conferences. Well, I, I, you know what, I, I support that. <laughs> I think. I think his I, I think that look the I'll just say this on so many levels the the hypocrisy mm-hmm. of leadership here is astounding. I, I want to continue to make sure I'm clear. I despise what these Democrat representatives did on here, the floor. Here, here. I I despise what they stand for and their ideals. Here, here. And even what they are doing and how they're manipulating the process, yes. right? The fact that they did mm-hmm. orchestrate it, the fact that they are playing chess this way, right? But yes. I will, but I mm. will vigorously and vehemently protect their right to be complete morons in what they believe, mm-hmm. and to also ensure that as we apply the rules across the board, that they are not applied in an arbitrary manner. And what everybody needs to understand is, and my heart has been broken. I'm being completely honest here. The the comments around this issue are heartbreaking because what I see are people that are more interested in fighting and winning and going tit for tat than actually preserving the republic. Mm -hmm. You can only Mm -hmm. preserve the republic by doing what the republic demands. You cannot preserve a republic by going outside of the rules of the republic. Yeah, Gary, but they don't play by our rules. It doesn't matter. We cannot change the rules by the rules they play by. We must maintain the republic. See, what is the purpose of a party? The purpose of any party is not to drive policy. It's to win. So they say. That's, and the, the thrust is we just want to win. Yes. So I know you have a point. There's something I want to bring up regarding <laughs> yeah, the word rules. Rules. There's some rules that uh, go back 60 years, and I want to share some with you guys, and, and, and let me know if you don't see these things playing out. What was your point? Oh, I was going to say we also have a, a very relevant contemporary analog to this whole situation aren't the same republicans that are acting hypocritically 
right, contradicting themselves by applying the rules unfairly, aren't they doing the same thing that the Soros-funded DA Bragg is doing against Trump? 100% the same. That is a great analogy. and, And yet they're upset about that. For in fact, that's part of Trump's best legal defense. His attorneys have said it. He's he's misapplied. Um, he, he's his prosecutorial his prosecutorial discretion has been applied so unevenly, right? Not even handedly. Thirty four counts of nothing, <laughs> right? So he's, he's using a, the power only because you can. Yeah, because of political because of his political power and for political reasons. So I would throw that in the face of these Republicans and say. You can't now complain about Bragg because you're doing the no, same thing. No, but that's not fair, Kevin. Mm. That's not fair. Okay, rules. How about rules for radicals? Mm-hmm. Saul Alinsky, yep. whose acolyte was Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Rules Hillary. for radicals. Five and 13 are exactly what we see being used, in my opinion. What we've All seen right, what used. are five and 13? Five. Ridicule is man's most potent weapon. There is no defense. It's irrational. It's infuriating. It also works as a key pressure point to force the enemy into concessions. Yep. Has our Republican Party not been, and our House not been ridiculed internationally mm-hmm. to the point where they have to concede? You're not going uh, to... Unfortunately, uns- though, at their own doing. Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> that was five. Thirteen. Pick a target. Freeze it. Isolate it. Personalize it. Polarize it. Cut off the support network and isolate the target from sympathy. Go after people and not institutions. People hurt faster than institutions. Wow. Here we are. And they have played it. Textbook, Saul Lewinsky play. Yep. Textbook. And we blinked. And it didn't need to happen. So this is what this is this is something that comes to mind. And and I want to invoke. The, the the spiritual side of this as a man in a cloth, so to speak. This is what comes to mind. Deeds done in the darkness shall be revealed mm-hmm. in the light. They always will. Are we, and I'm not saying this definitively, but I'm just posing it here for the table of discussion, gentlemen. Are we looking at possibly the Lord exposing mm-hmm. bigotry to a certain extent on the hill? I've heard comments that are somewhat disconcerting is like sometimes when people see me on the hill and I'm doing my, my lobby work for, for Israel or for pro-life issues, there are some who always feel the need. I've got to talk about something regarding black people with you because you're in front of me. <sighs> oh my God. How insulting. D- dude, stop. You don't have to. No, I'm just here. Let's talk about the color red for these babies that are being slaughtered. And thank Mm. God for Tennessee. You see why the enemy hates, and I'm speaking spiritual, the spiritual enemy of the church, which is Satan himself and his minion, hates Tennessee because we stand for life. We stand for Israel. So are we possibly looking at the Lord cleaning house Mm. in our own party, bringing some correction? Uh, Could we possibly have witnessed the the ill effects of arrogance when it's on display absolutely there's no question I, there, there's about that clearly that, that's a part of it so um, you know I, I hate that it has happened but it gives opportunity look not all of us agree with what happened up there within our own party i thought it was tasteless to fundraise off of this absolutely tasteless now your fundraising efforts look ridiculous when a guy serving as his own interim representative is now back and you can't touch him because if and by the way he's raising more money than than the state party is going to dream of raising one guy said he raised over a half a million in in two days when that when that when the tweet went out for uh the the fundraising i think it was was scott golden and company there i mean no I, i don't i don't have any issue with with scott but nonetheless i mean somebody signed off on hey let's fundraise on this yeah we're, we're not we're just not a, thinking. Let's send out a donate link. We're, we're not thinking. <clears throat> They've never operated, and I know we're short on time here. <clears throat> Gary, we talked about, remember when we've spoken repeatedly about the Ford plant in uh, Memphis? Over <clears throat> and over. And one of, one of the lanes that we um, used for our discussion was this inability for our representatives to look beyond the surface, right? Everything is, they take at face value, which is the mistake they made 
in expelling these individuals. They didn't even consider that this this they may have a plan. <laughs> you know, we're going to get baited into this. But they always take everything as it appears on the surface. The same way they did with Ford, someone questioned them, and I forget who we were, who we were talking about, and the belief was that the response of a particular legislator was, you know, why, to the question, why would you allow the Ford Foundation, we know of their leftist connections, why would you allow this company that's going to come in and force electric cars that everybody knows are not going to work, we can't sustain a whole country on, you can't power it, et cetera, et cetera. And the response of this particular legislator was, well, well Gary, it's, it's Ford. They're a, you know, multi-billion dollar international corporation. They must know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 an incredible stance. Yeah, that was a conversation that that I had with with I'll leave unnamed uh, out of out of respect for the moment. But yeah, that's you know this whole too big to fail mantra. You know, forget about the principle of of you know should we protect the taxpayer and should we keep government separate from private interests? No, we should give them a million of our tax dollars. And that then the thought is because well they know what they're doing. It's such a ridiculous. By the way, we won't get into this. Uh, it, it may be worth getting into another episode. But speaking of the Ford plant, mm-hmm. do you know what the big topic is now this week regarding the Ford plant? Eminent domain. No, oh, yeah. because you, what? because what most people did not realize was in that special session bill was eminent domain to carve out um, all of the properties now that need to be taken to create this Blue Oval City. Um, I believe there are 20 properties that are in the process of being taken. The state of Tennessee, the state of Tennessee has already taken, as of today, seven families to court to take their property Mm. by eminent domain as part of this project. And so this is being done by Scrimetti, Attorney General. Well, he he has to represent the state. Oh man. Oh, okay, so God. let me add this one. Is, this has been passed into oh, law. My let me goodness. add one more straw to that camel's back. Did you see in connection? So you with- give them a billion dollars, Kevin, <clears throat> and they take your house. And they take your yeah, house. <laughs> they're not only going to make something that's going to destroy the Ouch. economy; they're going to take your property. And <clears throat> insult to injury. So, when you said eminent domain, my mind immediately went to the report that came out this week from, um, was his name Jamie Dimon, J.P. Morgan, former economic advisor to the Clinton administration? Mm -hmm. J.P. Morgan is actually, he he was actually quoted in a meeting, in a conference, talking about the way that we advance our so-called green initiatives is through eminent domain. If people are not giving up their properties and not selling their properties for solar farms and wind farms, then the government in this in this idea of it being for the greater good, are going to start taking your property and your property to put up wind farms, to put up solar panels. And and last fun thought on that. You, you know you're going to love come this Lord analogy. Jesus, you know, okay, come. one more straw. Amen. Come, Lord Amen. Jesus, You come. know what's funny about that is they pass through a special session a law that sets the table for this Blue Oval City to and also allows eminent domain the taking of an individual's private property. But, Kevin, what's the reason that they use for the state being unable to restrict a corporation from mandating that you get the shot? What does the corporation – what does the business owner have? (laughs) Privacy rights, property rights. So, that we apparently don't have anymore. That's right. So so the the mm. business owner has property rights to make you get a shot. But you don't have property rights to keep the state and forward from taking your property. You, do you understand what I'm yes, saying? Yes, we no Absolutely. longer have. Do you get that? Property rights for them, but not for us. So, do, all right. Final question. I just have to pose it to you. Do we have a republic? I no. don't know a banana one. <clears throat> we have we have one in in name. In name only. We, we do not have one in action. Absolutely not. Oh, That's still a rhino, point. isn't it? A Republican name only. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. We have a rhino. a rhino nation and uh, rhino individuals. Goodness, Lyndon, well, come back. We've we've gone over time, but we'd love I to would have love you back. To. It's fun to have you here. I'd love to talk about the concept that has really strangled held this country for the last six hundred years, and it's the. The concept of race, it hasn't done well for us, and it's not doing well for us today. Didn't do well for us on April 6th. Didn't. So uh, the the Bible in Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean Lean not on on your your own understanding. understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he he will direct your path. So we we trust in the Lord. At the end of the day, my, my trust is not in Sexton, the governor, or... 
our next presidential candidate from the Republican Party. I, ultimately, we, we trust in King Amen. Jesus. Amen. Amen to that. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. <laughs>